Hello and welcome to Meet the Education Researcher. This is a podcast from the Faculty of Education at Monash University. And here we talk with researchers in and around the faculty about their current reading, writing and thinking. So welcome to the third recording in our semi-regular series of Meet the Education Researcher podcasts. My name is Neil Selwyn and I work in the Faculty of Education, Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. So the aim of these recordings is very simple. We're going to spend 15 minutes or so getting to know what researchers in and around the faculty are currently up to. So today I'm joined by Dina Leahy, a senior lecturer in the faculty. Good morning, Dina. Good morning, Neil. So just before we started, I set you a challenge to write your current research biography in 140 characters or less. And you described yourself as working in the critical studies of health education. So can you talk me through what that actually involves? We've got health, we've got education, we've got critical. I suppose um, I've been interested in for quite some time um, understanding the practices of of health education Uh, and in particular I've been interested in trying to come to terms with the politics of health education um, and wondering about what it is to try and educate young people about being healthy um, and what are the practices that that we draw on to to, to try and achieve those aims and thinking about the effects of of health education uh, and and the politics around um, those sorts of imaginings of health education and then the pedagogies of health education. So we often talk about the politics of education. What are the politics of health education? Well, I suppose... um, to to use a, an often used word in contemporary times, if we look at the the, the dominance of neoliberalism um, and how that uh, imbues health education, uh, and so we see a lot of practices in health education, for example, that rely on really individualised ideas around health and how people can achieve health. That's often accompanied by a moral imperative. And so a lot of the strategies that we see in health education tend to be directed at individuals learning about health and developing skills so they can be healthier. But there's also a moral imperative that accompanies that. That pretty much means that, well, if you're not healthy, then it's then it's your own fault. Yeah, the self-responsibilisation of yeah, risk. That, yeah, that's right. And so I'm really interested in how that plays out. Um, how that, I suppose, manifests in curriculum and policy and how that's translated into pedagogical practices and what it is that, that young people learn about health, not just their own health, but how they understand other people's health and responsibility for health. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can see precisely why you'd want to research that area. It sounds really, really interesting. Oh. Um, so we're all busy people. You seem to be more busy than most people in the faculty. I'm interested, what actually is keeping you busy, particularly in terms of research at the moment? Um, at the moment, I'm involved in two um, ARC discovery projects. One of those projects uh, is working with sociologists from the arts faculty here. The project is interested in looking at the way in which, for example, o- obesity policy, uh, health policy, talked about the importance of making children health advocates and that their role would be to to go into the family, their own family, and change health-related practices in the family. And so we're looking at those messages as they're delivered in primary school, so how it is that children are recruited to be health advocates, and then what that means for 
children going home into the family and trying to change, for example, food-related practices. Mm. I'm really interested with these ARC projects. Have you, how do you smuggle in the critical politics, neoliberal, all the stuff you talked about earlier, into something that's actually fundable by ARC? Well, that's the, <laughs> that, is, that is a trick. I think um, there's so much policy work that's done around um, obesity prevention and we see lots of different programs that are touted as, as, as solutions and yet we know very little about, um, particularly in schools, uh, outside of an interventionist kind of t- traditional sort of public health interventionist model, um, what happens in the everyday of schools. And I suppose what we um, argued was that it's imperative that we know about how these policies are translated in the everyday of schooling and then what are their effects in the families. And we can argue that, you know, those insights provide really valuable feedback to to policy writers and, and to, to researchers. Yeah, so it's taking that kind of what works and why agenda that funders are often looking for and then twisting it around to actually kind of be a bit more critical as well. Yeah, and I'm sure that a lot of people in public health really aren't, you know, dead keen on on on, on the negative effects. Um, and so they're really wanting to know about what are the actual effects. Mm. So you've got these two ARC projects. Um, have you got anything else coming up on the horizon, bids or proposals or just conferences that are coming up in the summer? Yeah, we've got... Um got a couple of, of different projects that are in their infancy so we're kind of you know just just starting to think about where where do we go from here um, out of that first ARC the, the the child health advocacy research what we're finding is that there is um, there's such a, a, a difference between what's set up in policy and in curriculum and then what's happening um, in schools and so we're thinking that we might um, try to perhaps develop a, a project around there that that Um, maps what's happening in in schools in relation to food um, in particular Uh, and out of the the digital HPE project that's the other ARC project health Health and physical education Um, and that ARC is looking at mapping uh, how teachers are taking on board different forms of technology and how it's influencing their teaching we're thinking about um, doing some follow-up work there with a particular focus on um, games yeah, excellent. So the future is high tech. Now, slowing down for a second, I'm always fascinated about kind of what makes academics tick. So as well as what they're kind of churning out, what they're actually taking in. So I mean, what are you taking in at the moment? What are you reading or who are you reading? Um, well, I've, I guess I try and get away from Foucault and governmentality. Always a good idea. <laughs> but I always find myself making my way back to, to, to that, that field, particularly because I guess my research is interested in health programs um, and health programs are often about trying to govern the population mm. in particular ways. So it's difficult to leave that that behind. But I'm starting to read um, more in cultural studies uh, and trying to bring some of the perspectives around affect that are on offer in, in that, that literature to um, governmentality, which I've done before, but I think I can, um, can do that, that better. Um, I'm also reading um, a piece by Deborah Lupton, uh, around design sociology, uh, and that relates to another project that I'm interested in, different pedagogical spaces uh, for health for health education. So talk us through that thesis, if you can, in, in a couple of minutes. Design sociology, what's the, what's oh, the implications? Well, well, Deborah's talking about um, it being a new field um, and trying to... to and I apologise, Deborah, if I get this vastly, vastly wrong, but it's looking at um, bringing design concepts and design literature to, to sociology and looking at the, the valuable intersection of, of both of those in thinking about 
um, how we might work with publics, with, with objects, um, and how designers might work with sociologists and, and vice versa. So I'm interested, you, you mentioned um, Foucault was one of your kind of greatest of all time. <laughs> have you grappled with the kind of post-Foucaultian perspectives? Where have people taken Foucault in the past 20 years? Um, I have, uh, and certainly I... I in my thesis, I'm, I'm, I'm only an early career researcher. So no, you, no, it's not only an early career researcher. <laughs> Sorry, I am, but, be proud. but I am an, yeah, a, yeah. an early career researcher still, and so I still, um, I still talk about my, my PhD. Uh, and I suppose within that, I actually tried to draw on some of Foucauldian thinking around assemblages and, and bring in some more um, contemporary thinking around assemblages and, and affects, so trying to do some of that some of that work to extend um, Foucault and his governmentality thesis, and of course people like Nick Rose and Mitchell Dean, and they've they've like Nick Rose is on to a whole other mm. new thing at the moment, but I'm not I'm not yet, and so I am am reading through um, through a lot of people who have used Foucault and trying to work out where they've gone with those ideas and and how they've how they've done it while still trying to answer questions around the politics and in everyday life. One of the scariest things I saw last week was a picture of Foucault with a full head of hair. <laughs> in my, it was very disconcerting. Oh, I've not seen that. No, keep, no, no. keep that to yourself. I might do. I mean, so coming back to the stuff that you are actually kind of producing yourself, your output as such, I mean, what, what are you writing at the moment? Um, at the moment, I'm, I'm actually writing a, a grant application, but aside from that, I'm writing a editorial piece for a special issue um, I've co-edited with Professor Dawn Penny and Jan Wright that that is about trying to reignite, I suppose, uh, thinking about the politics of health and physical education. And so we're, we're looking at the kinds of um, arguments that have, have characterised the field, the, the critical literature that's characterised the field since the 80s um, and looking at new directions and, and writing about what, what, what new directions do we need, what new ideas do we need to try and um, continue with critical thinking. Is health at a, a field where people are actually quite receptive to critical perspectives? No, and I've, I've come up against that um, in a in another special issue that I'm I'm working on, there is a real uh, real lack of understanding of the need for um, critical studies. Uh, the field has been, in particular pockets, very much dominated by a positivist um, model. They just want better programs, mm. more insights into to how we do do health work better. But certainly in Australia and New Zealand, I would say, um, along with some colleagues from, you know, Sweden, Canada, and sometimes England, uh, there is a, there's a, there's a body, a, a group of scholars who, who are doing really interesting and, and, and good critical work. Yeah. So it's identifying those networks and keeping those relationships going. That's really yeah, key. Yeah. And we've just set up a, um, a critical health education studies, um, group. Um, we're, holding our first conference Queenstown next year and it's a, an attempt to bring together critical health education scholars um, and we're looking at a Routledge book series um, proposal as well. Looking forward five years, 10 years, 20 years, I'm just thinking about kind of thinking big. Have you got a dream project that you'd want to do or, you know, what ideally would you like to be doing in five years' time? I'd like to be, I'd like to be funded for this, but you know, that's, that's whether that happens or not, I don't know, but I'm interested in um, doing more work in the field of health education. It's really under-researched um, from a school-based perspective. Um, and I'm interested in uh, different ways in which teachers uh, 
approach teaching health education um, and what are the learning affordances in those various ways. So whether it's integrated, whether it's done through, you know, physical education, humanities, in the garden, um, through online games. And so a project, um, an ideal project would provide me with an opportunity to look at different spaces whereby health education is addressed in schooling. What are the learning affordances there? Um, and what are the learning affordances and learning about health in other spaces, so mm. the public pedagogies um, angle, so museums, uh, exhibits um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and so on. Yeah. So that would be an ideal project, I think. Excellent. Well, I'll come back in five years' time to see whether that's <laughs> come to fruition or not. I mean, just finally, I've always got half an eye on the future. I'm worried about where education research is going and I want tips and advice. I mean, is, is there any intelligence that you've got, big issues for education research that you can see looming over the horizons, things that we should be worrying about? Or getting excited about? Where's this all going? I think one of the things that I'm grappling with is the, the question you asked before is how do we make our research uh, attractive to the funders, particularly when it has a critical edge? And there's part of me that feels a little bit depressed, I suppose, about the current political state um, of, of affairs. Uh, and I know I'm not on my own there, but thinking about what that means for, for funding and, and the development and the valuing of academic um, expertise uh, mm. is really quite concerning. We could be working in the US, though. Well, that's it. <laughs> it well, that's it. So I always think about that. <laughs> um, but I do think that within that space, there's always, and if you look at at change and and kind of the emergence, the politics of the right, that you always get lots of activism. And I suppose for me, I'm really interested in those activist spaces and how what it is to keep talking back to to those sorts of agendas and those sorts of policy. Yeah, there's a lot of people looking forward to a kind of revitalisation of the 80s. If it could be half as kind of active as that, that's... Yeah, and I think that, that, that could, that's quite exciting. It's just a shame in some ways that we have to go through what we need to go through in order to, to bring that back. But I think, you know, those activist spaces are really exciting because they bring together, I think, lots of really interesting ideas, interdisciplinary um, work. But also, I've just... Part of me wants to move beyond critique. Mm-hmm, yep. I've been critiquing now for quite some time and this is where Deborah's yeah. work around design sociology is really interesting is moving beyond critique and actually doing something to ex explore the affordances of new assemblages um, and what we can, can learn and, and how we can think um, differently within those new spaces. Designing ourselves yes. out of the mess that we're in. <laughs> Fantastic. It. Well, thanks ever so much for your time. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you.